0: Um, Good evening. Today is December seventh, two thousand and twenty-two, and we are studying the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter step is into action, step nine, and our speaker tonight is Sarah M. Thank you, Sarah. Take it.
1: Thank you. My name is Sarah, and I am a grateful recovering compulsive overeater. Um. I have been um, abstinent and working the 12 steps just since April of this year. Um, so um, not that long, I'm kind of a newbie and this is my very first time to speak. I mean, other than sharing at a meeting, so I'm a little bit nervous about it. Um, before we talk about step nine, I thought I would uh, tell you a little bit about um, about myself. I have always been a compulsive overeater. Um, uh, Some of my, many of my very earliest memories are of um, food um, or my body. Like it seems like from a very early age, every day I was spending quite a bit of time thinking about food, um, what I was going to eat, how I was going to get that food that I wanted, or thinking about my body and how unsatisfied I was with it Um, and in an obsessive Way, obviously. So I was a heavy kid. I was a heavy teenager, um, and continued into adulthood. Um, I'm 51 now. So it's a long time of being overweight and every year, um, and being a compulsive overeater every year, um, I gained more and more weight, uh, just gradually over time. So that if I already started as a heavy kid, that, um, that, every year things just got a little bit worse and um, my compulsive eating got got worse as well, not because my obsession grew every year, but because as an adult, I had more opportunities um, to be alone. And that's when my compulsive overeating takes over. I'm not the kind of person who overeats um, at a meal with family or um, in public or around other people. I binge um, all by myself. And so Um, things had steadily been getting worse. And then my children left home and um, things kind of exploded because I didn't have to, I didn't have as many people to hide from. Um, So I, um, about 14 years ago, I went to my very first OA meeting um, and a coworker and I were talking about um, our weight and, and I knew this meeting was happening across the street. And I said at this church and I I knew a little bit about overeaters gone really not much at all and I and we were talking and I suggested that we go and I showed up and she did not and um I you know going into that meeting I thought after all that time, I mean, so much of my brain power every day spent obsessing about food or obsessing about my body that at that point, I thought I've had every possible thought there is to have about food. I, my ego is pretty big too. So I thought there's, there's no new information that I'm going to get, but I'm going to go. And um, it was right away. It was so fascinating because there were people there who were like me, who were publicly talking about food and using food in a way that I had been using. I'd never heard anybody say anything like that. Um, And also they were saying things about food um, in a a way that I had never heard before. And that was intriguing to me. And so I I went back, it was a once a week meeting and I went back for the summer um, for several months. And, but I never, I mean, I didn't have any kind of schema in my brain. I didn't have any knowledge of the big book or the 12 steps. It was not a big book meeting. And I didn't have anywhere to put that information. I didn't sort of know how the program actually worked. I liked being around the people, but I I didn't work it. I didn't, um, I didn't understand it. And so, um, I'm a teacher. When school started back up, I, uh, I, I stopped going. And so then that's about 14 years ago. And, um, in between in throughout all those years as I'm continuing to compulsively eat and gain weight that um, I did I did get introduced to the 12 steps in the big book because I did hit a bottom in my need to control others and in my relationships with other people and I found myself in Al-Anon and um, my son is a is a drug addict and uh, began that addiction in, in his early teens he's 26 now and um so I, a uh, a friend suggested that i go uh, to Al-Anon, and it was really life-changing and i watched those steps as i was starting to gradually learn about them and i watched them working in other people's lives and eventually i saw it working in my own life and my relationship with my children and with other people and um, but I continued to really, you know, continue to use food for calm and comfort and and my serenity, even though I, I knew that this other thing was out there. My Al-Anon sponsor even suggested to me one time because I spent some time talking about food and, you know, I was more honest with her than I'd ever been with anybody in my life. And she said, why don't you try to work the steps um, related to food? and boy i avoided that i every time she brought it up i just changed the subject and then eventually she stopped bringing it up and um but um so so that's what was happening in between that time well then in april of 2021 i i was sitting at work and i my clothes were tight i'd had trouble finding something to wear that morning and um i found myself uh, needing to buy the next size up of clothes which was not new right this is my whole life um but also I was 50 and things in my body stopped working the way that they were supposed to work my knees were killing me all the time and one of the, the excuses that I had had my whole life of of well this this food thing's not that big of a deal was because I I was pretty active and I um I did a lot of the things that I wanted to do. And my spouse and I um, were very active people and are and and like to camp and go see live music and all these things. And summer was approaching and we had this big trip planned and I thought, I can't do it. I cannot do it. I can't set up that tent one more time. I cannot, my knees are killing me. My body's killing me. I don't have the energy. And so it was really faced with the idea that I was gonna have to change my lifestyle and disappoint my spouse that i i thought you know I, okay so i went to that oa meeting a long time ago and i didn't understand the 12 steps but now i have a little bit of a better understanding of how that works maybe if i got if i got new information the first time maybe this time i would get even more new information and it was online, and we don't—I don't have a, an in-person meeting in my town anymore. And um, it was online, so there's no commitment, right? It's like it's pretty loosey-goosey, and I could just go in. And so I, so I looked at the website and I picked a meeting to go to the next morning on Saturday morning, and I went. And it was a big book meeting, and um, it was really—it uh, was powerful. And it's not—it's a meeting I still consider my home group meeting, and it's not a, a big meeting. Uh, and so people shared and then it's at one point that I'm the only person who hadn't shared and I'm the only newcomer. And so I went ahead and shared and I cried the whole time. I cried the whole time during the meeting. And when I uh, was done sharing, they said, welcome home. And it was it was it was, t- it was so powerful to me to feel like I belonged uh, with this group of people who were really smart and really um, spiritual and at peace and the and that could be me um which I just didn't really believe all the way yet but but anyway it was powerful and I kind of went in full force and I started going to meetings every single day but if but of course I didn't actually work the program I didn't get a sponsor I didn't do I tried to you know stop binging a little bit and and a few months went by of going to meetings and that fall my brother had been um battling cancer for a really long time. And he was coming to the end of that. And I I took a short leave from my job to go and help care for him in his final weeks. I live in Texas. He lived in Minnesota. And I ate my way through that trauma and through that grief and, um, you know, abandoned any thought of going to these OA meetings. And when I got back home, um, when he was gone and the holidays were coming up and, um, I I just powered through eating eating my way through all of that um emotion which is what I'd done my whole life but it seemed to be just amped up. And so then in February of 2022 I um my knees were really killing me and I needed a refill on a on a prescription and the doctor said, "You know, it's been a while we'd like to see you." And it wasn't anything that the doctor said. It was that I stepped on that scale and while every time I stepped on the scale, it was more than the last time. This was a bigger jump. And, um, it was, it was at 275. I'm going to share my screen just for a second. And I mean, obviously you can, um, see what I look like now, but, um, so that was me about a week before that doctor's appointment. And this is a picture that I, a selfie I took a couple of weeks ago. And, um, Anyway, I, I, I saw that number on the scale and my doctor didn't really say anything because he was familiar with the problem and I wasn't going to do anything to change it. And I, I got home and I thought, you know, maybe I should actually go to those OA meetings and maybe, maybe do the actual deal. And so I went back to that meeting that I had started with, and there were those people waiting for me and um, welcoming me. And it was so comforting. And, um, I uh I started looking for a sponsor because people were telling me this is this is non-negotiable, this is what you have to do and and I spent a couple of months. I asked a couple people and uh, one person didn't did it wasn't available, didn't have uh room for it and uh, for me, and another person had just, um, just finished a relapse and wasn't feeling comfortable. And, and at the, toward the end of March, I found the perfect sponsor who I'm so grateful for. And, um, we began working, um, together on April 1st of this year. 10 minutes, Sarah. Thank you. And I, um, that, at that first meeting, she said to me, uh, as we're talking, she said, you know, in the book, it says, if you, if you follow these simple steps, you cannot fail. And I got off the phone with her and I was telling my spouse, spouse about the conversation and I got a little bit breathless and kind of whispered. And I said, if, if I follow, if I do this, I, she says I can't fail. And I, the feeling of that hope it was something I had never felt before. I was not a big dieter because I'm the kind of person who, if I'm not confident that I'm going to be successful, I'm not going to do it at all. And I knew 100% my whole life, there was no way, no way I could stop compulsively overeating. And so this is the first time when she says that to me. And I think, man, what if that is a possibility? It was scary to think that. Um, and also um, this uh, that little glimmer of hope. And so um, I worked the 12 steps um, with her and have um, had a transformative experience. And i um, where I am now is that I am, you know, I'm going to be talking about step nine, and I'm not, I'm not all the way done with my amends. I have a few left, and um, I, people who are maybe coming into town over the holidays that I'm hoping to get done. Um, but I had worked, I had worked the twelve steps in Al-Anon, and I had done amends to most of these people before, um, but it was very different when I when I did the amends in Al-Anon um, at, it, It's different to not be the addict doing the amends. This was this was a a very different kind of experience, and and I was a little bit more loosey goosey when I did the amends before. I, it was kind of like I was having a conversation with these people, and not mm, not very formal. And when I was doing when I was re- writing out in my eighth step, and and my sponsor was, we were talking about the amends, and she said. Um, I want you to write it out like it's a letter. And I thought, well, that's, you know, that's a waste of my time. Like, I'm not going to send these people a letter. I'm going to have a conversation with them. This seems like not necessary. Um, But I did it because what I learned is if she tells me to do something, it's in my best interest to do it. And um, I wrote it out. And then when I went to make that first amends, something um, told me, like, just read it as written. And it was so much more powerful. I just read it. And, it. and to me, in my head, ahead of time, I thought, I'm not going to read this. That's that's not very authentic. And yet, I think what happened, and I don't know how the recipients of these amends feel, right? That's out of my control. But when you write something down, you're, you're very purposeful with your words. It's different than a conversation. And I think that that people could feel, these people I was giving amends to could feel that, could feel that I chose these words specifically and, and didn't do it just in this one moment of having a conversation. Right. And, um, so I did the rest of them that way too. I read them. Um, and, um, so, so that's where I am. Um, and, you know, throughout that process, of course, there are people who you think, man they should be making amends to me right like like there's been more harm on their side than mine and um of course we you know we have those feelings right and um what i i think has happened is that this has been you know in the fourth step so we write down all those resentments that we have over these these people and these events that have happened and then here in the ninth step we get to practice the fact that we're not going to worry about that anymore that that's our responsibility what my response to what people do is under my control, but what they actually do is not. And so here, when I'm making amends to people who might have harmed me and I might have had resentments for, and the big book tells us, like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna mess with that. You are only worried about your side. You're only worried about, about your own amends. And it, it was a good exercise in sort of seeing that come to life, seeing that, that letting go of of what I can't control, and only being in charge of of me, and um, I I got to practice that. I um, as I was as I was preparing for this this week, I I, w- I read the chapter into action, and um, I came across something that really kind of startled me. And um, um, on page seventy seven um, it, it talks about, it's a, you know, it's talking about going into the ninth step and making this amends. And it says, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, we're going to take the bit in our teeth. And I, I've read that several times. And every time that I had read that, I thought I'm picturing like some civil war soldier who's getting an amputation has to, you know, stick the, the stick in their mouth and bite down on it. I'm picturing like, we got a grin and bear, you know, we got to to uh, bite the bullet, right? Where that saying comes from, just get it done, right? Just get these amends done because then you can get that guilt and shame over. And I'm reading this this week and it occurred to me, that's not what horses do. They don't bite the bit, right? They put it in their mouth and put it around their teeth so that they don't have to be in control anymore, right? They're, They're being guided now and they don't have to be in charge of their, Pace or their direction at all that when the big book says take the bit in our teeth it's not about it being a negative experience it's about letting go and letting somebody else be in charge and that that was so powerful to me this week and i'm i'm grateful for being asked to speak because otherwise i would not maybe have happened upon that realization that maybe you guys have already had a lot (laughs) but but um but that was new information to me or a new realization um I was, as I was thinking about, you know, um, step nine sort of being the bookend to this journey that we started with step one, and then we're, we're going to bookend it with step nine before we, before we are transformed into the people who are going to every day live 10, 11, and 12. And I would, it, it struck me that in step one, you know, we admit that we're powerless and, um, that, Uh, our lives are unmanageable. And here we are in step nine, and we are admitting our mistakes. We're owning up to the things that we've done. Thank you. We're owning up to it, right? Um, And it's hearkening back to step one. And then in step two, um, you know, where it says it's going to restore us to sanity, we're here we are, we're restoring these relationships. And that that word restore kind of actually, I don't, I'm not sure is fitting for me because I think my factory setting said I was a compulsive overeater. That, there was no other option. I, I prefer like thinking of it as transforming. So here I am at step nine, getting rid of that shame and guilt that has weighed me down and led me to the food, right? Um, and I get to walk out of step nine into 10, 11, and 12. A transformed a different person and that's what those amends have been have been like more of a marker in time of me saying owning up to my stuff and then saying to these people it's gonna I'm different now I'm different I get to be a different person we get to have a different relationship and um not having to carry any of that with me anymore um I want to I want to close by you know um that sort of as as we step out of step nine and get ready for that transformation, um, the big book uh, gives us right here at the, you know, at, in the two paragraphs, two or three paragraphs leading from step nine to step 10 gives us the promises. And I'm going to close by reading those. They're on the bottom of page 83. If we we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we're halfway through. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. But these extravagant pro- promises, we think not. They're being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly and sometimes slowly. They are always materialized if we work for them. Thank you for letting me share.
0: Well, thank you so much, Sarah M., for that beautiful take on step nine. Okay, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and the step step being studied this week. Uh, We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine, if you're on the phone. And the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. With a timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when the time is up. If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Okay. So first we have Meredith B.
2: Hey everybody. Um Meredith B. Compulsive Reader in Nashville, Sarah. That was lovely and it's so good to see you again. Um, I love when you were talking about, well, really being transformed. Somebody on a meeting just last night said, "Um, I'm not here to get better uh, or I'm not getting better, I'm becoming different. And it's true, it's true. Um, That is the promises coming true for me. And um, yeah, I, I had another um, take on recovery, because I agree, like, what am I, I don't want to go back to the factory settings, as you say. Um, But I don't believe that I was created to live the life I was living. So it's like to be recovered to um, like, a, like a God-reliant human for me. Um, I just want to be more and more reliant on him and his promptings and um, his spirit. Then I am on me. So, um, anyway, thank you so much. That was a beautiful
3: share. Thank you,
0: Meredith B. Next we have
4: Aaron K. Hey, everybody. Aaron Kay Recovered in Michigan. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for your service tonight and for sharing. You know, so honestly and. Um, gosh, man, take the bit in your teeth. That is, (laughs) that's an, um, what a beautiful way to see it. And I'm going to keep, keep that with me this week because man, I feel like that horse, it's like, you know, I don't, I want it back. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to give anybody else the reins sometimes most of the time. Right. But I, I, um, I have to remind myself, you know, that uh, life is different now. I am different now. I have been changed because at the beginning of my own journey, somebody told me the same thing that, you know, you're not special and you can recover if you do this work. You can't fail. Um, And she was right. And um, it's been true for. Every sponsee who has actually shown up the way that you did every call, you know, taking direction, willingness, openness, um, it works. It really does freaking work this stuff <laughs> and, um, gosh, amends, you know, I, I had some of my biggest I, I think you know the spiritual awakening that I've personally experienced. You know, it it happened like the book says, like sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. And I, I think some of the the most eye opening parts of recovery came when I made some amends. And I, you know, I, I I like what you said about kind of you know not being able to control what you know what happens on the receiving end. Um. And it's, it's kind of funny because I think, you know, you're ready to make them when you really, you, you really actually are surrendered to whatever outcome, you know, that that you've let go, going in with no expectations and just knowing that all you can do is yes, give them those intentional, meaningful, heartfelt words that you've thought about and written about. and then the rest is, you know, just taking the bit and being led, led through it. So thank you again for for uh, speaking and I will pass.
3: Thank you, Erin okay. Um Next we have Ian F. Hi,
5: I'm Ian F, a postable reader. Great to see you guys. Thank you, Sarah, so much. awesome. Um, I wrote down a lot of stuff, a lot of which has already been talked about. but, um, first thing that struck me is if I do this, I cannot fail. Um, oh, I was such a such a beautiful way to way to say that. and and um, I mean, that's what my sponsor told me too, and that's what the book says. like um, there's a there's a really scary, just scary part of the program to me is that I don't know that that's true until I do it. <laughs> like there's no it's like, hey, um, I want you to go rely on this thing that you can't see or touch or whatever um, and just trust that it's going to be okay. Um, and that's a step three thing, but it happens throughout the steps too, especially with step nine. Like I am I want you to go amend a relationship that is, that is I'm, I want you to go confront someone you've harmed, <laughs> which is really scary and really awkward and really uncomfortable and just trust that it's going to be okay. Um, and the uh, taking the bit in your teeth, just as, as an acceptance of guidance, you know. I just really love that, you know. It's it's not. Um, I, I always thought it was like clenching your teeth, like, oh, this is gonna be really painful. I really love that interpretation that it, it really doesn't have to be painful. Um, and I can I can choose to to just be guided. Um, and then just that 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 section of of the book that you read my sponsor had me read that every day for months and months and months. It was like my morning thing. Um, and the, the promises, you know, they, they say that these things will happen. They don't say that they'll happen immediately. I always wanted it to be like, Oh, my fear of insecurity is just going to be gone. <laughs> you know, like, that's not true. I still have it sometimes. You know, like, I think it, I think it happens. Um, like they said, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, sometimes sporadically. <laughs> you know? Um, those are those are just the, the points that I thought were really interesting. Thank you all so much. Um, I love you, and I will pass.
3: Thank you so much, Ian. Next, we have Betty
6: S. Hi, everybody. I'm Betty S. Uh, grateful we can we can we possible in Florida. So grateful to be here. Thank you everybody for doing service to make this great meeting possible. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for your beautiful share. You know, it's so wonderful um, to put ourselves out there and make ourselves vulnerable. Um, And that's what you've done. And and your beautiful honesty, your transparency is just so helpful because when I hear you and when I hear other other compulsive overeaters, I know, like you said, welcome home. I know I'm home and I, I really never felt that anywhere. You know, even my own home, I didn't feel it, you know, my family of origin home. So when you say that, that really hit a chord for me, uh, because this is the only place that I am home. This is the only place I share from my heart, the language of the heart. That's what we do here. And without that language of the heart, I have nothing anymore. And I don't want to live in the. I do not want to live in the disease any longer. I want to live in recovery. And when it comes to the ninth step, a really important part for me of the ninth step is I've been reflecting on this all week. Um, is in addition to the verbal amends and the written amends, a really important amend that I've had to do this time is a, a very serious living amend. And this living amend is to my spouse. Over the years, I have, all the years that I've been a compulsive overeater, he's seen every single stage, good, bad, and indifferent. Recovered, not recovered, absent, not absent. So I've been in this room, these rooms a long, long time, but now I'm recovered. This, this round, I, I finally get, I get it. I get it, I am powerless. And so with that comes a lot of changes. And those changes, in addition to relying on my higher power, enable me to make a living amend, to to have different behavior, responses rather than reactions, honesty instead of dishonesty, and down the line of all my character defects. And so, I my responsibility in step nine is to practice it, to practice those behaviors, to practice the positives of the character defects, the positives that I had to make an amends for, um, the opposite behavior. And so that's what I pray for every day, actually in the seventh step to remove my character defects so I can make a living amend on a daily basis. Um, because, you know, I've done so much damage in the past, this is going to take a lifetime. I probably won't be married 49 more years, but, <laughs> you know, what's ever left, it's my responsibility and it's I really believe what God wants me to do is make that living amend and be the person that he wants me to be, not the person I was in my disease. So, you know, that's, it's just, I'm so glad to be able to share this tonight because it's really been on my mind all week since we've been talking about amends. And um, it's just been really heavy on my heart and something that's, I've sometimes have to act as if, you know, it doesn't come naturally but I sure rely on my higher power to give me the strength to do it. Most of the time, I, 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 nothing is hundred percent. I don't do anything perfect or hundred percent, but it's better. It's progress. Sometimes it's slow. Sometimes it comes quickly. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's very hard, but it's there, you know, and it's a change. And that's what, that's why I keep coming back. I want to keep, I want to keep changing. I want to keep heading toward, my higher power closer and closer, not the other way, not towards the disease. Um, but it's my decision every morning. every morning I have to make that decision. Where am I going to go? Which way am I going to go? I'm still a compulsive reader when I wake up. Um, wow. A grateful one though. So thank you. Thank you, everybody for being here. Pass.
0: Thank you so much, Betty, Betty S. Okay. so it's 847. So we will now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares. Would the Zoom host please stop the
3: recording?